best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian with best friend and next door neighbor, Willow. Hello. Where we spill the tea on murder, and you guys hang out with us, and we just have a nice chat. Details of this case are graphic and may upset sensitive listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Really advised. I advise it. Extremely advised. This is one of the more uh, gruesome cases that we're ever going to cover. Yeah. This is uh, the Marcus Wesson vampire cult killings. Now, we're going to need a, a palate cleanser after this, I yes, think. Yes, yes, yes. So maybe we'll, after this, do something fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need a Mothman. <laughs> do we need a Mothman? I do. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think we should do like our cryptid episode in the middle of this because it's this. I don't know a lot about this case. We like to take turns presenting cases, and uh, so this is Willow's turn, and this is a case that I don't know a lot about. And uh, yeah, we're we're. I'm just gonna react, but I've heard a little bit, and I'm afraid. Yeah, and the last case I didn't know that much about, but um, I bawled my eyes out. And yeah. uh, continued to cry more after. So um, this one is going to be... Rough. Real rough. Yeah. Really rough. And this case is a very long, drawn-out case. It, it uh, Basically, the crimes happened from about 1964 until the inevitable ending in 2004. So... Good grief. Those are many years to cover. So I'm going to skip over a lot of... Um, really gruesome details and agonizing, just like micro. We don't need details. to roll around in it. No, no, and I don't need to read the Wikipedia to the listeners. So, no. um, I'm going to basically just touch on all of the really important stuff. Um, but the greatest hits of this case, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, this this case is is. Pretty gruesome, pretty significant. Um, I remember in 2004 seeing the news when Marcus Wesson was um, being handcuffed in the orange jumpsuit and taken into prison. And um, and I, that image really stuck with me. Yeah, that's what I remember too. And I do remember, full disclosure, reading a little about this case, but... I, I know next to nothing now because my memory is like a pasta strainer <laughs> and I don't get to choose what I remember right. and that one went away. Right. So let me have it. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me introduce you to Marcus Wesson. All right. Okay. So Marcus Wesson was born in uh, 1946 in Kansas City, Kansas. And um, now... I'm going to preface all of this with saying that there is so much foreshadowing in this entire story. As I was doing research, I was like, wait, that happened? It happens again later. Oh my God, that happened? It happens again later. So it's just really eerie how he literally took his upbringing and everything that happened and redid it himself. 
Well, I wonder. I don't know anything about this case. So right. This is going to oh, yeah, be my yeah. guess. I wonder if it's a case of, like, recreating trauma to process trauma. Because a lot of people do that. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I really do think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really do. It's really hard for me to find the humanity in this person. Um, yeah. To, to even give him a shred of empathy is really difficult for me. I hate this man. <laughs> With a fiery burning passion. Well, Willow, I'm ready to sip on that gator. Haterade. Uh, <laughs> right. Gatorade, which I don't like. <laughs> Big sip. Um, so, yeah, he was born in 1946. So, just realize that whenever, as we go throughout the story, that this man is much older than all of his victims. That, that was always really hard for me to realize, was how young his victims were and, and the huge age gap All right, that I'll there keep was. that in mind. Um, so he was born uh, eldest of four children to Benjamin and Carrie Wesson. He was raised seven-day Adventist, um, and so they were really, really hard into the church. They uh, went to church on Saturdays. And um, his mother uh, was, was the religious fanatic of the family. She... Uh, held Bible study every single night, held prayer every single night, and she even wrote her own children's version of the Bible that she presented to her children. So highly doctrinated and a bit brainwashy. A bit. It sounds very brainwashy. <laughs> yeah, a bit brainwashy. And, you know, as an aside, I will just tell you, I was raised with zero religion ever. And so uh, even now as an adult, it's a 42 years old woman, I um, religion scares me very bad. Right. And I was heavily indoctrinated. Um, uh, I was adopted into a, a very religious family. And I remember being scared into religion and I remember being traumatized at a very young age that you know you're gonna spend all of eternity in hell if you don't basically RSVP to the afterlife you know and 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 it was it was terrifying and scary it was very traumatizing and I remember um one day it just clicked and I was like wait this isn't right this isn't how people are supposed to believe and so i i do have that shred of empathy for people who are indoctrinated into cults because that that's really what these heavy heavy um doctrinated indoctrinated religions are is they're cults these people are brainwashed and i'm not going to say that about every religion religion i will whatever i'll take the heat (laughs) i just don't want anybody (laughs) to feel bad honestly but you know it's very culty it is very culty i agree and and nobody, in this particular case, and I'm, I was being a little cheeky there. But um, no, this case no. is a cult. Yeah, it is, sure. it is legitimately a cult, and um, and it starts literally from day one, and um, so yeah, his mother was the religious fanatic. She was also hand in hand with the religion. She was also extremely verbally abusive, physically abusive. She would um, spank the children with switches and, and electrical cords and, and you know, things like that. Again, lots of foreshadowing here. So um, his father, Benjamin, was also an equally terrible person. He was not necessarily religious, but 
he was an alcoholic and extremely abusive with that. Um, he would go on alcoholic rages. He would get completely um, uh, inebriated all day, and then he would come home at night and either be enraged and physically abusive that way, or he would turn it, as most abusers do, and be overly affectionate. Love and bombing, they call it. Love bombing. Yes. Now, Marcus's sisters, uh, the younger the younger children said that, you know, he wasn't necessarily touchy in that way, but he would hug and kiss them in a way that they would have to pry themselves off of him. Ew. And kind of scurry off. It made them uncomfortable. It made them very uncomfortable, but he never passed that threshold with the girls. Thank God. But. Uh-oh. As Marcus grew up, um, his in his teenage years, uh, his male friends who would come over to hang out uh, were assaulted by his dad, Benjamin. Um, in one account, uh, his, his friend um, was cornered by his dad, Benjamin, and he basically tried to solicit him and and oh, no. and asked him for sexual favors and then when the boy turned him down he said well what if i give you 50 dollars oh no and convinced the boy to do things with him and and of course that that teenage boy was just absolutely traumatized from this event i mean he did go with it but he was extremely traumatized after well, that i can't imagine that this was completely done out of sight of his other children too, so it's sort of breeding a really sick environment. Right, and and think about how Wes or how Marcus Wesson is viewing all of this. Like this is completely normal to him. This is day to day life. This is day to day life. And I mean, um, there was another instance where the exact same boy was staying over again, and um, he woke up in the middle of the night to Ben trying to take off his pants, oh. and when he told him no. Um, Ben scurried off, and apparently he never touched the boy again. But, um, later on, we'll see that he he doesn't stop. This is it, a pattern he, of behavior. It's a pattern of behavior. He, he moves on to other people, but, um, he at least stopped with this one child, and, and, I mean, it, it traumatized him for life. Well, of course. Of course it did. So, his dad was a giant piece of shit. Absolute garbage, and so was his mother. Great. But for various reasons, and we'll see that those two concoctions made the perfect criminal. Um, awesome. Love it. Yeah. So, Marcus, growing up, he, at, at first, whenever he lived in Kansas, he was very quiet, he was very shy, um, very introverted, he kind of had a stutter, um, he didn't really excel very much in school, so of course, you know, he was probably bullied. Um, but then they moved to California and he really worked on his stutter and his speech impediment and he actually got better. Well, that's nice. And, um, well, yeah, it was kind of nicer whenever he was being quiet because as soon as he began speaking, he started telling all of the children at school his weird ass ideas. I want to hear them weird ass ideas. Them weird ass ideas have a lot to do with his religion ideology that he will continue to to spill out upon any passerby for the rest of his life. He sounds delightful. 
<laughs> I'm really trying to hold back the vomit as I think about all the things that he is. Um, so as soon as he got his speech impediment down, he started telling everybody about how um, polygamy is really awesome and how he wants all the wives and um, and all of his really strange ideologies with the Christian religion and his, his he had really, really skewed um, versions of Seven Day Adventist. So he was misogynist. Extremely. So I have a question. <clears throat> Pardon me. If polygamy is cool, how come I can't have like 20 husbands? Right? Why is it in all of the religions that believe in polygamy, it's always wives? Is and it's it? always like the yeah. degradation of women. Women are the sole vessels to create more children, and that's it. We're supposed to cook, we're supposed to clean, and we're supposed to have sex to make the babies. Yeah, I'm not into it. I, I don't really like that at you all. You know what I don't do, Willow? Mm-hmm. Clean, ever. <laughs> that's what husbands I, are for. I enjoy cleaning to a certain extent. I weird? like the satisfaction of it. I guess. Um, but... I don't want that to be my sole purpose. Maybe I'll start a cult, and it's all about having husbands, like a lot of husbands. My mama really wanted a lot of husbands, too. And they can all call each other brother husbands, and I also want them to kiss a little bit. Be cute. All right, please go on. (laughs) So, so yeah, he obviously scared everybody around him. Um, So... Long story short, he graduated high school, he gets out, he decides to go to Vietnam, like everybody else did in the 60s. And now, was he drafted or did he volunteer for that shit? I think he volunteered because he went as a medic. Okay. Um, so he, like, rode around on an ambulance, but he was honorably discharged, and I haven't found out why. I can guess. <laughs> I can guess, too. He's pretty nuts. Um, but while he was in Vietnam, his uh, father's side of the family... Um, they weren't doing so well financially. His his mother, so Marx's grandmother, was taking care of um, his cousins. So I, I'm going to preface this right. with this is the most fucked up family tree. And it was so hard to get all the names and titles. You'll see why. I'm buckled in. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to do my very best to be do specific with this. But, so, Ben, Marcus's brother, his, or, dad. Father, yes. Father. Marcus's father. His brother uh, did not end up taking care of his children, and so their mother had to do so. The grandma. The grandma. So the grandma takes the nieces and nephews, and they have nowhere to live. They fall in really hard times, so they move in with the Wesson family. With with Marcus's mother and father. And, And the three other children. So there's a lot of children in this house. Now, Ben, Marcus's dad, starts to notice his nephew, Marcus's cousin, a bit. Well, she wouldn't do that. Yeah. And now, (laughs) I almost said luckily, uh, the most fortunate thing is that he was of age. Um, He was 18. Um, But... uh, he starts to get closer and closer and closer, and long story short, they end up moving out together. Oh, Ben no. leaves his wife of almost 30 years to buy a house and start a relationship with his nephew, his brother's child. That's terrible, and I hate it. 
Thanks. So here's the foreshadowing we've got, we've got going on. <laughs> we've got an incestuous relationship with his father. We've got um, a lot of molestation and rape. And we've got a lot of religious doctrine and brainwashing. And we've also got a lot of falling on hard times, invading other people's spaces and houses. We've got a lot of stuff going on, and that's only going to continue for the rest of the story. Yay. And it's only going to get exponentially worse. Naturally. Naturally. Or we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> it wouldn't be cruelty, would it? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> Could it be fluffy puppy kitten tea sometimes? Oh, sometime. Maybe another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Oh, my yeah. goodness. So... So basically, the family unit is now broken up. And while he was off in Vietnam, probably being more traumatized, worse traumatizing for everyone, getting honorably discharged, which I'm, I'm going to guess means some kind of, you know, mental illness issue. Right. Or he's just spouting off a lot of religious nonsense and being combative and weird. And so now he comes back to this, and I'm sure he wasn't pleased. Right, and I mean, obviously his mother wasn't very pleased either. No. His mother kind of estranged uh, from his father as well, and so they really never talked ever again. Um, don't, don't blame her on that one. No, no, not at all. He gets back home from Vietnam. He finds his father with his cousin, mm -hmm. and the whole family splits apart. So Marcus... It's one of the only jobs in his life, and I, I, it was very insignificant. Um, I don't really remember where it was, but uh, he finally gets a job, and, uh, and he also had spent a little time in college. And this is when he, uh, he's now 21 years old, and he meets Rosemary Salerno. Solario. Anyways. <laughs> I'm just going to say Rosemary. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, names are hard. But Marcus meets Rosemary, and Rosemary is 34. She is married. She has six children. And they start dating. Oh, come on now. Immediately she gets divorced and leaves, for, uh, leaves her husband for Marcus. Now, the thing about Marcus is, and I, I do believe that he probably got this from his mother, is that he... He may not be the best-looking man. He's not. But I've he seen is. <laughs> he is so good with words. He's one of those master manipulators that mm -hmm. can literally make you do anything he wants to. He shows every single sign of an abusive narcissist, and like to the umpteenth degree. So, anyways, he moves in with Rosemary and her six kids. And Marcus starts living off welfare at this time because he decides not to work. And this is pretty much the pattern for the rest of his life. I think he gets one other job later on, but it's not very significant. Right. But he starts to live off welfare and he becomes extremely abusive to her six children. He, um, shocking. I know. Right. And, <laughs> and again, you're going to see this for the rest of his life. He is extremely abusive to all the children in his life. He, is very strict. He um, makes them follow a very strict religious doctrine as well. They all have to be vegetarian. And 
he made them abide by really strict guidelines, but he wouldn't do it himself. Well, naturally not. <laughs> he would take his welfare checks and go out to eat and get these big steak dinners. And it was reported that the children were seen dumpster diving in the middle of the night for their food. Well, I love this guy. <laughs> You're going to love him What a more. prince of a man. Isn't he great? No. Well... <laughs> It only took a couple years of them living together and dating when he started to get eyes for one of Rosemary's children. Mm. Now, I'm just going to pause because I know this is going to go in a bad direction. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here talking Mm -hmm. about it. But as a mom, there is no man on the face of this earth that is good enough at any talking banging, providing, I don't care, whatever. Lay, lay a hand on my child in any way I don't like, and it's, you know, I'm going to hit that, you with my that car. That hand's coming off, yeah. I'm just going to hit mm-hmm. you with my car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back up and hit you again. So I have a real, look, as a, abuse survi- a domestic abuse survivor myself, right. um, I get being stuck, and I know what that's like, but this is a different situation, and I'm sure she was brainwashed, and isolated and every type of, of and I mental wonder and physical abuse. If it, you know, when you start throwing in religious indoctrination and brainwashing too, the temptation is immediately to judge her harshly. And I'm going to really try. I'm going to tell right. you, I'm going to try not to do it. Right. I'm going to try my best. Because when is, I say she was brainwashed, she actually believed him, like full, wholeheartedly believed him when he came to her and said that God made him mm. a second God. He was a second <laughs> God <laughs> among men. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this case isn't funny. By any sort, but that is, that's some funny shit. Oh, that's not even... The- so it was it like just one day God was like, hey, I like your style. I like what you're doing here. You are God part two electric boogaloo. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what happened. But not only that, God communicated with him quite frequently. And he told Rosemary and all of her children about this and like really heavily uh, brainwashed them with this ideology that he was another God. Gotcha. That Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, that guy? Yeah. He's a vampire. Jesus is a vampire? Jesus is a vampire. Jesus is a vampire. You know, hold on. (laughs) I can see it. So Jesus (laughs) Jesus spills his blood for his disciples, and they have to drink his blood. Drink of my blood. Or drink of this wine, for it's my blood. Yeah. Eternal. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, I can connect those dots, too. It's not that weird when you put it that way. So what does he do? He does just like his mother, and he writes, he starts writing his own Bible. Oh, of course His own do. version of the Bible that puts him at the, the seat of second God. God part two. God part two. And uh, Jesus as a vampire, and he is the last of the vampiric Jesus bloodline. The Merovingian bloodline or whatever it is from that <laughs> fucking Da Vinci Code movie. Yeah, so he Did has you watch to... that movie? Is that what happened? And then he got some weird ideas? I don't know. I never I watched know. it. You've never seen it? Mm-mm. First of all, it's stupid. And second of all, it's awful, but you should watch it because it's funny. <laughs> Unintentionally. 
that There's on. my review of the Da Vinci Code. You're welcome. <laughs> it's a book your dad would read when he was at the airport. Oh, no, I think my dad had it, is the thing. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why I never watched it. Mm, it's dumb. <laughs> Don't under... There's a lot of it where I'm just like, why'd you do that for? Who cares? But please go on. I went on a tangent, and I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> um, but... I'm avoiding the end of this case. <laughs> it's going to upset It's the absolute worst. And it's, and it's just now getting to the beginning of the worst. All right, let's go. Okay, so oh, I'm ready. he he full hard wholeheartedly believes that he is the last vampiric bloodline yeah. of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Gotcha. And in order to, you know, fix the fact that he's the last one, he has to make a lot of himself, right? He has to, you know Oh, he's carrying on. He's carrying on. He so wait a to, minute. So this vampiric bloodline is passed down to the through yeah. Children, not just like bitey bitey. Or no, he, okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. yeah. He has to make more of himself. Got, yeah, yeah. He has to make bad. That's that's his ultimate goal: is to bear as many children as possible, whether anybody likes it or not. It's a little vampire Jesus is running I around all over him. the place. This yeah. is awful. Continue. So while his girlfriend Rosemary is pregnant with their son um, Adair, he goes to Rosemary and he says. So, God told me that I should get married. And she's like, yes. <laughs> to me. <laughs> to me. And he's like, no, to your 14-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. All right. 14. Yeah. The thing about her 14-year-old daughter is that she's already pregnant. Oh, he's already Already He's already terrible. done it. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I'm I'm only laughing because I hate this man. I feel like so in much. this case, my laughter is like the fear response. Yeah, it's it's me being really uncomfortable, I'm trying to cope. Really uncomfortable. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah, this is not yeah. funny. This is wretched. It's so bad. I want to throw up so bad right now, and I'm Please doing don't. everything I can. Willow is sitting on my bed. We're recording in my house, and if you're gonna. <laughs> If you're going to hurl, <laughs> I suggest the floor. I was I mean, about to say, there's a floor vent right there. <laughs> oh, no, you're not puking in my floor vent, you little shit. There's a wastebasket. I mean, if you can make... Whatever. Just Anyways. Choke it down. I'm going to really choke this one down because it only gets worse. So, yeah. 14-year-old Elizabeth. Now, Marcus is 27 at this point. Just you on several levels. And he has been grooming her since he met her. So he met her when he was 21. He's 27. So she was like, uh uh-oh, math, like eight. Eight or nine, yeah. Wow. Gross. So he goes to Rosemary. He begs her for her permission to marry her 14-year-old daughter. And somehow he persuades her. and, And it's mostly with the fact that, well... Well, he's God. Yeah, exactly. If you exactly. Really, if you have been brainwashed to the degree where you actually believe he's God, mm-hmm. then you're going to be like, well, what choice do I have? God said so. Right. And, so and I can the main point of his doctrine was that women are here to abide by God's rule to create more human beings. That is their job. And so if God says you have to create more human beings. Then you do. Then you do. And you don't have a say. 
So he's right. creating his own victims. It's also submissiveness to exactly. the man, I'm yeah. assuming, because yeah. that's fun. That's his Not. favorite part. Yeah. So she does. Now, Elizabeth's brother, or she she has like five other siblings, but one of her brothers is most infuriated by this because um, he really didn't want the siblings to know that he had impregnated Elizabeth, but it was really hard not to know after a while. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, bellies grow and things. Um, but Jesse, her, uh, her older brother, um, her brother Jesse finds out, and he had already not really gotten along with Marcus very well. Of course not. It's another man in the house, and that can't stand. He has to be the only one. Right. Right, right. And and I think the brother Jesse was old enough whenever they met to kind of see through the bullshit yeah. a bit. Well, and I always like to tell people this. Kids aren't stupid. Right. They're just underdeveloped people. Right. And it doesn't mean they don't know what's going on. I promise you, your kids know what's going on. They can see right through the bullshit Absolutely. every single time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We always think kids are dumb, but they are just not. They really are. No, and we should really things. give them the benefit of the doubt. All the time. And especially in this case, stop fucking touching them. Anyways, Jesse gets pissed off and tries to fight Marcus. Now, Marcus is huge. How big Y'all, are we talking? I'm, I'm talking like, and I don't know the exact measurements, but I know he was like six. He looked like he was like six foot something and at least like upper two to... 300 pounds. Something like that. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's big a big dude. I've seen pictures. He was a big man. He was yeah. a large fella. And this is like some teenage boy trying to And this to is fight some him. teenage yeah. boy trying to fight him um, for his sister's honor. And so, you know, there's a lot of emotion so there, too. pitiful. That breaks my heart. It's so sad. Um, but Marcus ends up beating the kid with an electrical cord. Just and like his dad used just, to beat his siblings. Exactly. The foreshadowing exactly. you were talking I'm, about. There it you. is. You're going to see this a lot, and I, I, I love that. Um, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> but, and, and, and I, I want to say that I've seen um, some interviews, too, and, and these left permanent scars. I've seen oh some God. of the, the electrical cord scarring on I, some of the children. I am not going to look those pictures up. They were, um, like, like, news interviews. Yeah, I'm not yeah. even going to watch. I just, uh, anytime the, there's harm to children, I, I struggle. I struggle. Oh, Th- that's why I'm, I'm, I'm sweating right now. I'm about to vomit, and I'm not even through part of this. Well, let's, let's just keep <laughs> going. So one of the family members um, uh, of Rosemary's family saw the scars on Jesse and called the police. The well, police show her. up. I know, right? Somebody finally did. Well, the police show up, and as they're seeing the blue lights through the window, Marcus starts to kind of freak out. And he's like, okay. So he sits Jesse down before the cops come up to the door, and he's like, I'll make a deal with you. I will leave with Elizabeth and never come back if you just tell them it was a lie. And Jesse's like, you know what? I've dealt with you for like nine years. I'm over it and I want you gone. So if this is how, you know, like he gave into it. So that's a real deal with the devil, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It really is the devil. Um, But so yeah, he does that and the cops leave. And then um, he kind of sticks around a little bit longer. He doesn't necessarily leave right away. Um, And like a bad fart, he lingers. Like a bad fart, he lingers. And as he's leaving, he's like, you know what? I'm going to leave. But I'm taking the van. Now, the van is the only vehicle the entire family has. These are six kids, minus one. Yeah. 
So he takes the van, and as he's going to take the van, Jesse freaks out on him, grabs a screwdriver, and tries to impale the screwdriver through Marcus's throat. Holds awesome. it up to his jugular and threatens to uh, slice his throat off with the screwdriver. And so Marcus, somehow this, somehow the fight stops pretty quickly and Marcus just kind of runs away with Elizabeth. What a coward. <laughs> right. So where we're at right now, it's uh, 1974. Marcus is 27. Elizabeth is now 15. They get married. They give birth to their first son, Dorian. And... Um, and they try to move in with um, Marcus's mother, Carrie, but it doesn't last very long. Um, Marcus just decides that he doesn't want to get a job ever again, and Carrie can't stand that about him. She's very, very strict. And uh, well, she probably she, has the old views of the man should be the provider, et cetera. Right. And right. so disgusted by this behavior. Absolutely. But I mean, he's God, and God doesn't want to have a job. Yeah, and I mean, welfare checks, why not? Yeah. He, he gets real weird with these welfare checks, you'll see. But, uh, yeah, so he, um, she kicks him out. So he gets his one and only, like, job. I think this is the, the only job that he really has uh, was at Wells Fargo. He ends up working oh, there choice. for, like, several years. <laughs> um, now, I don't want to hash out every single year because literally a million crimes happen every single year. From, what is this, 1974 now until 2004. So I'm not going to hash that out, but I do want to just say that during this time, Elizabeth is having about a, a child per year. Oh my God. So he, she's really pumping these kids out. I hate that I said it that way, but it's, it's, really, it's really how it's happening. That, that's so terrible. And so, like, uh, and I'm sure there was all kinds of, abuse she was 14 when this started yeah so it just continues to be and, an abusive situation and think situation. about how he's groomed her since she was nine and since she was a child she's gonna believe all of his you know religious cockamamie indoctrination mm-hmm. this shit he's making up mm-hmm. because it's all she's ever known really right it's exactly all she's ever known and now this is her husband and the father of her children and he's god part two and a vampire and a vampire and she has the like holy job of carrying on the vampiric line. Do you so think she has that made her feel special? Like, oh, absolutely. like he chose her. God chose absolutely. her, and that's I'm sure that's that, what he said to her. It's part of that love bombing type thing, where part of the manipulation and getting her, you know, brainwashed is to make her feel special, chosen, and all of that. And stuff. that's exactly what he does for Elizabeth in particular. And that's how later on, whenever he's abusing other women, he makes them feel lesser than because he always makes Elizabeth feel... Like queen wife number one. Exactly. Okay. And so the rest of them have to kind of live up to her. Ugh. It's very, it's it's very, very strange. And, I mean, I wish that I could afford college so I could go um, into, like, psychotherapy and understanding, like, the psychology behind all of this because it's got to be real deep. You know, I love psychology as it is, but I really, I think, I think it's like 
you know, generations of abuse, mm -hmm. substance abuse, mental health issues, mm -hmm. and then just malignant narcissism run wild. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he got away with all this crap for so long is really what's appalling to me. Right. And it just shows that it's a broken system. I mean, it continues to be today. I was uh, watching a case, and I'm... I don't think we'll even cover it because it was so vile as the Gabriel, I think, Hernandez case. Oh, I case. bawled my eyes out so oh, many times Lord. with that case. I don't even want to talk about it because no, I can't just hearing his it. name. But again, social services had every opportunity to save that child. And I think we're going to, I think I see a lot of that here is just, you know, people rarely calling it in to the first place. And when they do... That's not ever really looked into. Right. And that's how he's able to right. get away with this shit. Well, and, and I'll get into this. I may touch on it a bit. That I could touch on this a lot longer and make this episode like four, um, four sessions. But CPS tries eventually. But he's so nomadic with his family, moving yeah. them around and around and around, that they can never really catch him until the very end. That sucks. But, um, so yeah, at this point... He's been working at Wells Fargo, and again, he hates working, right? Yeah, as God, God does. God point right? two. So the more he works, the more angrier he gets. And so he just keeps coming home after work, just angrier and angrier and angrier, beating his kids, you know, mercilessly, you know, assaulting his wife, making more children just to beat. And, um, and finally he, he gave up, he quit his job. He grew up, he grew out his beard and he grew really long dreadlocks. Now these dreadlocks were so gross. They were so matted by the time that he got arrested. Oh, and he, as he's grooming his children, he's making them, he's making them kiss him and, 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 and maintenance his hair and they're living oh. in absolute squalor and filth and grossness well, yeah and so you can only imagine like oh, anyways it was it was rough hygiene was rough. wasn't good hygiene what you're was not good this entire story uh. so just keep that in mind as we talk yeah, about I, everything. I just didn't think he would be like a paragon of any virtue mm. so that's not really a surprise though it is disappointing it, it was really bad and so as the children grow up, he's continuing to brainwash them. He basically makes, he not only makes them go to church all the time, but he also kind of makes his own church at home, thus the cult, um, and, and continuously grooming them. One evening at church, he looks over and he notices a pregnant teenager. She's 16 years old. Well, that's his favorite. Mm -hmm. God. <laughs> Uh, her name is Illabel Lee, and I love the name Illabel. I think that's so pretty. It's really pretty. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Illabel Lee, again, she's sixteen and pregnant. Um, the father of the child that she was carrying was not in her life anymore, and her family had kind of disowned her. She was living alone. She was, you know, attempting to find some peace in life, and so she was going to church. They met, he starts grooming her. 
Of course he does. He gets her to be completely isolated from her family. He, you know, brainwashes her and tells her that nobody loves her except for him. And I think people like this, uh, they, they're on the lookout for already abused, traumatized, and isolated individuals. Constantly. And that's kind of partly why they're successful, is you're already dealing with a lot of deficits, and you're just wanting some kind of shelter in the storm. They pray. They prey on people. Yeah. And they have that fixation. They have, you know... Predators. It's mm -hmm. what they are. Mm -hmm. Monsters. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, he starts grooming her. He, um, he gets her completely dependent upon him. And in 1979, she gave birth. And after she gave birth... Now, up until this point, he had not touched her in any way. He'd hugged her a couple times. But a few months after she gave birth in 1979... He goes over to her house and he assaults her. Great. And Elizabeth finds out and Elizabeth was furious. And so he convinced her to be okay with it. He again, wanted this. Yeah, he's he, just using know, his he, Again, and he's, he's fixated on this whole idea of polygamy and he's never gotten to have it yet. And so he's really hoping that is, uh, Illabelle could be... Wife number two. Wife number two, finally. Right. And so he tries that. He, um, he convinces Elizabeth to be okay with it. Elizabeth said, okay, on one condition, you cannot make any children with her. And he said, okay, we will only... I'm going to gag whenever I say this. Uh... He said, okay, we'll only have oral sex. <laughs> so, um, again, we don't know for sure if that actually happened, but this only lasts a couple years, um, and and she eventually is like, nah, I can't do this. Well, thank the actual Lord that somebody <laughs> actually got away, and, you know, I love that. Right. Because, goodness, um, I'm assuming, though, that trend doesn't continue. It really doesn't. No. So, yeah. So she finally leaves. Um, Marcus continues to uh, to isolate his children. Abuse his entire family. Abuse yeah. everyone. Um, and he continues to save welfare checks. And so um, the next, like, decade or so, he basically tries to uh, get away with welfare fraud. Not a big leap there. Not a big leap there. So he moves from like a very small apartment with all of his children. He gets a very small boat um, that I think can can fit like four people. And at this point, he has nine children with Elizabeth. Is he going to live on that boat? They try. And the, the sad thing is, is oh. that like... Um, they have to sleep in shifts. Because you don't want to fall off the boat. Because you don't want to fall off the boat. And, and you know, and I, I may be getting some of this out of order just because there was so much moving back and forth. He lived on a small boat. They had a, a family duplex that they would move back and forth to because uh, his family had a duplex. And, um, and they had, you know, a small plot of land that they would live on at some point in time that a friend owned, and he would basically just move them back and forth. Well, it, it kept CPS off their heels, and in addition, probably aided in the welfare fraud. Exactly. Yeah. And, and eventually one time they had a bus that they lived on, and it was really gross, 
And again, all this time, the children are eating out of dumpsters. He's living fat and large and um, continuously collecting that welfare. Now, as he's moving his family from house to house, boat to boat, land to land, campsite to campsite, basically, he's telling his family to stay indoors. And he's telling them that all authority figures are of Satan. Wow. And that the authority figures of Satan are trying to break his family apart because his family is of God. And if they break them apart, then they're going to have to... Well, Satan soul. wins, obviously. Yeah, and Satan's going to steal their souls. Hey, I'm on Satan's side in this one. <laughs> Spicy daddy's side um, in this particular case. But that's a common tactic of abusers is the whole threat of this will break up the family, you'll never see your siblings again, etc. You won't see your mother or me. You know, because the threat of just not seeing him wouldn't be good enough. I think he has enough wherewithal to know they'd probably really like if he took a long walk off a short pier. Right, right. And a lot of, um, like, uh, religious cults will say... Yeah, authority is evil. Authority is evil and it's of Satan because... It's been infiltrated by the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And and later on in the story, um, I'll probably retouch on it, but he really loved uh, the, the Waco, Texas... All these jerkwads do. They love them Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians, yeah. Um, We We gotta cover that sometime, by the way, because that's actually really interesting. They are nuts. I felt so bad for all the children. Well, uh, I mean, and the government really screwed the pooch on that one. You know, uh, as they do. As they do. As they do. Mm. Please continue. Sorry, Um, but yeah, he's moving this family from, from place to place. Um, getting evicted everywhere he goes because, again, he can't pay. And uh, so eventually they have nowhere to go. And at one point they move in with Elizabeth's mother. Remember her? Oh, we're going all the way back. Rosemary. Rosemary, his right. ex-girlfriend. So he moves back in with Rosemary. And he has all of him and Elizabeth's children, which I think he is up to nine at this point, maybe ten. And then... Um, and then he's also got his nieces and nephews. Oh, has he picked them up along the way? Which are Rosemary's children. Oh, that's right. Sorry. It's, it's so, it's ah, the most, I know, it was so hard to Itchy. do research on this story because, again, the family tree is a web. Um, or it's just one branch, one really big branch. Twisted vine branch. I don't know. It's not any good. It's bad. But, um, so they all move in together and he continues to... Like, heavily brainwash the entire family. Well, yeah, of course. Um, some of the kids were even noted by some of the neighbors to have been calling him master. Don't like that. Blech. Yucky. That is yucky. So his next victim is his niece, Sophina. I love the name Sophina. Yeah, that's pretty oh, also. Precious baby. Okay. So Sophina is Elizabeth's sister. At this point, Marcus is 40. Sophina, 12. Yuck. Don't like that. Mm-hmm. He told her as he, he took her aside, he sat her down, and he said, I do this with all of my daughters. Ugh. He said that he was preparing them to please a man. 
whoop, that's gross, and I hate it. It's so hard for me not to throw up. He said that starting at around age seven or age eight, he would start to groom them and start having them perform certain types of sexual acts, but no intercourse until they were 17. Well, thank goodness, at least. Oh, Jesus. Now, while this is happening to all of his daughters, uh, he has made a deal with Elizabeth. Elizabeth is... He's not going to have children with anybody. Is that Was that the deal? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, not yet, anyways. But um, the deal with Elizabeth was that Elizabeth wasn't going to be part of it. That's all. Elizabeth gets to turn a blind eye while all of her daughters are raped, raped and, 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 and assaulted by their father. And I'm talking nightly. One of the daughters was assaulted in some way, shape, well, or form. That's wretched. But again, I go back to we can't. I don't know if I can judge her too harshly, simply because she's been groomed and abused basically her whole life her into believing life. this man is God, and you can't question God. Right. That's awful. She probably felt felt trapped, and I, you know, who knows how she felt because. Oh, there's like interviews that. later oh, well. with Elizabeth. And it's heart-wrenching because you can see the abuse and you can see, and, and as you know, and as I know, mm-hmm. as victims of, of these types of abuse is that you enter almost into like a, like a brain fog state where you don't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, abuse sure. takes away your memory. And yeah. so she has an entire lifetime that she doesn't remember. And it wasn't until she was interrogated and it started um, coming up. Mm-hmm. And interviewed oh, in 2004 that Poor she thing. actually started to remember so, things. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to judge her harshly for that one. No, no, um, not at all. Just at a, all. a victim. She, she was a constant victim from the age eight all, all the way up. Yeah. So no, I, I mean, sure there are things that she could have done. Yeah, well, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Exactly. I, I can't think of how many. Exactly. Like no, that child needed life. protecting, and yeah. she was not protected. Yeah. And so, how was she supposed to know? That was the only life she knew. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he, um, he kept the boys separate. The boys and the girls did not touch each other. They were not around each other. And, and that was something that he actually harped on the girls was that they could not be around their brothers because he did not want them to entice their brothers. Oh, Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the boys had special privileges. The boys could go outside. They could play. They could do anything they wanted. Just not the girls. The girls literally had to ask permission to go outside. And most of the time it was no. Of course. Okay. Okay. So So he gets gets another boat. boat, And this boat is much much bigger. bigger. And um, it kind of fits the family comfortably. But the the thing thing about about buying this boat is that he's on welfare. And on welfare, you cannot buy, like, luxury items and property. Well, I guess you can buy property, but I don't... I do know that, like, luxury items and a boat would be considered a luxury item. It's considered an asset. And so I know it'll lower your benefits. Right, right. And and it was technically a houseboat, and he was technically living on it, but there was something about the criteria in that, and um, he wasn't allowed to with his welfare checks. So... He actually wrote that um, the boat was bought by somebody else. And Some more welfare fraud, basically. Yes, welfare right, fraud. Right. So, and, and he has done a lot of welfare fraud over the years, but this one in particular um, kind of gotten him into a lot of trouble. And, um, and, and 
Now, keep in mind, he's not, like, in a secluded area at this point. He's in the middle of, like, the pier in California. People are everywhere. Right. And he has his children all over the place. And this man, by the way, at this point, he has a long matted beard, long matted dreadlocks. He stinks. He's wearing this, this like, tattered robe thing. Oh, like nice. like a Jesus kind of robe. If he were a vampire. Stick. Yes. And he's going around and he's just like, quote unquote, preaching the word. He's yelling all of his biblical nonsense so, at everyone. Like when I lived in Tulsa and I'd go downtown, it's like old man yells at cars and feeds bread to parking meters. Absolutely. All right, this, all right. this is that guy. All, only he, he no, does bad things to children. And so... Um, Again, these children are constantly eating out of dumpsters, and so finally, um, CPS gets called. Finally. Finally. They catch up with them this time. No, they keep moving. All right. But as, as CPS is being called on him, and he has the houseboat, but he also has, like, some other places that he can go, and so he's just kind of moving his family around. Um, they had, you know, the bus that was parked in vacant lots. They had a campsite that they could go to. They had a couple um, apartments that they could stay in. And so he's just kind of basically moving their, his family around from place to place. Like the shell game. He's just kind of shuffling them around. And he wants to know what CPS is going to do next, right? So he can know what his next move is. And, and I don't know this person, but he calls CPS... And he poses as an actor named Richard Wid- Richard Widmark. Well, I don't know who that is. I don't know who either. he is too, but um, he's he's like an old Hollywood um, type actor, I guess. From like the I say old Hollywood. I don't think because this is the eighties. Richard Widmark, you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's giggling it. Yeah, well, I have to. <laughs> I have found. Well. He's a white man, first of all. Oh. And I know that Marcus is African-American. Yes, he is. Um, he was nominated for an Academy Award as his role as the villainous Tommy Udo in his debut film, Kiss of Death. And I don't know any of those things. <laughs> Me neither. It's lost to time. That's what we say now. Lost to time. Oh, that sounds... Very poetic. It does. And that way, when you don't know something, we don't look foolish. We just say, y'all, it's lost to time. <laughs> Richard Widmark. <laughs> I'm the actor Richard Widmark. Right. Yeah. He, he calls. Okay. okay. So this is his logic, is that he's going to call CPS, pose as this actor. <laughs> Mr. And, Widmark. Mr. Widmark. And, and he, he like found that. out that the tax, tax assessor uh, put a lien on his houseboat. They'll do that when you don't pay. Right. Yeah. So he calls, he's like, who is this Marcus Wesson? For it's my boat. For it's my boat. And it should be under my wife's name. He makes it this, like, crazy story. Do they buy it? Well, they bought it, like, far enough that they would, t- that they told him. Oh, God. Well, Mr. Widmark, you see... Isn't that ridiculous? Wild. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. So well, I love it. <laughs> he's nuts. He's nuts. Yeah. So he moves his family yet again, and um, this time he had a friend that had land, and this is actually the place that they stay the longest. Is their their friend has land, and he's allowed to stay there with their family, and so they kind of make this weird ass like bunker. 
I was going to ask, when is there going to be a bunker? This is where there's going to be a bunker. It's bunker time. We're in 1990. Dang. I was alive then. Marcus Wesson is 44. I was born in 1990. Shut up. Marcus Wesson is 44. Elizabeth is 32. And um, he moves his family out onto this land. Now, as he's moving his family out onto this land... They finally catch up with him for the welfare fraud. Yay. So he moves the family out of the land. He gets caught up on the welfare fraud. He ends up shaving his beard, cutting off his dreadlocks, like cleaning himself up pretty well. He goes to court. Long story short, he gets he gets uh, committed to like like three months in prison. I bet those are the best three months of those kids' lives. <laughs> you know, my poor so babies. Um, but yeah, and then he gets out and he isolates his family more than they've ever been isolated. Well, now they're out on this land in a bunker. In a bunker. That they're hand-building. Like, the whole family is hand-building this bunker. And I'm just going to take a moment to say about four years, four or five years ago, I'd have found that strange. But living in Eureka Springs, I no longer find that strange. People do that shit all the time around here. I lived off-grid for a couple years. You lived in a broke-down RV, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we didn't have running water. No. I know this sounds very, like, hobo <laughs> to everybody else, but... It's very hill person of It was you. very hill per- person. That's okay. Um, I would like to make you feel better. I will tell you this. When I was 18 years old, one summer, I too lived in a houseboat. But I would like to, to explain it wasn't a nice houseboat. It was a pontoon boat with a corrugated steel shed bolted to it. I tra- <laughs> I traded fish I caught in the lake for Dr. Pepper and Marlboro Reds. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like a two-foot-tall mohawk. Wow. Yeah. And weed. That is so much better than I was doing at 18, so. Is it? I was oh, getting, I was, a I was getting divorced at 18. <laughs> no, that was after my first divorce. Oh. <laughs> so just don't feel too sad because I was like, uh... Yeah, I was living in my car. I traded my car for that boat. Because, <laughs> you know. Eh. And uh, I smelled like a lake. And oh. yeah, it's a bad smell. It was stinky. It was a bad time. I can't you recommend. You had a badass mohawk. I did have a badass mohawk. And, and all the fish I could eat. You. <laughs> You get sick of it after a minute. Yeah, you do. You'd give your life for like a flat McDonald's cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Anything. So anyway, they've built a bunker. No, oh, no. yeah, and it has it has no running water. No, of um, course not. You know, the only time they actually get to go to town is to get like jugs of water kind of thing. Nice. And again, this big-ass, nasty-ass man is touching all of his children without running water, without being able to Why bathe. Why do you go there with it? They're... Well, because I want because those poor children, you know, like I just I feel so bad for them. So at this point, um, some of them uh, start. Some of them have turned eighteen by now. Do they run the fuck away? No, they stay. That's how Um, indoctrinated they are, right? Exactly. They're they're completely mind controlled, but they start getting on welfare now. So he's collecting welf- welfare checks. Oh, now he's, he's making stacking it. Now, now, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. now he's making And this money. is around the time that the David Koresh, Branch, Davidians start. And he's like, you know what? 
want more children, too. That was a good idea. He had a great idea. But did he not see how it ended? It ended with a lot of burning. Yeah, well, there wasn't any burning, but it, it ended almost the same. So he... always do. No one ever starts a nice cult. They're like, this is a cult I've started where we pet kittens. Right? Hmm? Uh, I'm not going to fuck you. I'm not going to steal your money. I'm not going to make you drink poison. I'm not God. I just have a lot of kittens. They need pets. You want this the kitten cult? You want in it, don't you? I do. Like, you, you have me sold. Well, I've gone mad with power, and uh, that'll be $500, and you're going to pay me. She's like, kittens, right? That's how this happens. That's why there can't be nice cults. So, yeah, so he's inspired by the Branch Davidians to have more children, and I assume... More wives. Well, yeah. So he gathered up all the girls. There's nine girls at this point, ages 7 to 17. Five of them are biological. Four of them are his nieces. And he gathered them up and he said, I need more babies. I got to make more babies and I got to lead them to Christ. And so he... Now, his wife... Elizabeth is just barely over 30, but since she has been having children for sure so long, anymore. she can't have children anymore. And so he tells these children, again, ages 7 to 17, that they need to be her surrogates. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. And he literally convinced them that this is what they wanted to do. And so whenever he went to his wife Elizabeth to ask for her permission, because that's part of the... the He's getting them to agree. He gets off on that in some way. That's part of the manipulation. It's part of the manipulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it's makes part it of sicker the and worse. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting because he literally makes... Because at the she end doesn't of the have day, a real choice. No, they, yeah. none of them have choices. But he likes to make them believe that they have choices and that they made these choices. He did not make them for them. Right. Therefore, they just agreed with it. That they it was agreed. The best thing to do. They agreed. So he's not abusing them. They want to do this. Fucking sick. Yeah, it's bad. Fucking sick. So he goes to Elizabeth with all of the girls. Nine of them. And they're all they're saying yes. We want to do this because they literally yeah. tell Elizabeth, "Yes, I want to do this. I want to bear children with this man." Who is God, though? I mean, remember, these children, they haven't even had a breath they of... Think, they think that they are blessed by God to give birth to, to Jesus' yeah. bloodline. Well, yeah, you would think, you again, the grooming this is includes all they making know. them feel special. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So, so, yeah, he um, he takes three of them aside, the oldest three. His niece, Sophina, is age 20. His niece, Ruby, who's 18. And his daughter, Kiani, who's also 18. Now, these women are of age because Elizabeth wanted to make sure that they were of age when they got married. Okay, Elizabeth. So, he takes the three aside, two nieces and his daughter, and they have a wedding. They have a little small wedding. All at once? In the middle of the woods, the three of them marry this 40-year-old man. Good Lord. Within months, 
They were all three pregnant. Of course. And if and when the boys of the family ever asked what happened as to why their sisters were pregnant, he said that they were artificially inseminated. Artificially inseminated? Mm-hmm. I love his wild-ass lies. In the middle of the woods. I'm Richard With no Lindmark, medical care. And, <laughs> and we don't have running water, but they were artificially inseminated. Did he ever say, like, by who or what? No. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't just say aliens, man. And they literally had no medical care. I think one of the girls, um, like, the very last week before she gave birth, she went to the doctor. But other than that... Of course not. Then all this bullshit would be found exactly. out. Exactly. And he probably said stuff like, oh, the doctors are Satan, and so you mm-hmm. can't go. Sure. Now, the, the, the interesting quote-unquote thing about this um, that does help out later is that part of their brainwashing into thinking that um, anybody, like doctors, police, anybody right. in authority was of the devil, um, when they did give birth, when they had to get birth certificates for their children, um, his name was not to be put on the birth certificates. Obviously not. Right. Right. So it does work out later for them when that happens, but only a little bit and only for maybe five minutes. Um, so at this point, money starts getting worse. Um, yeah, we've added more babies. We've added more babies, exactly. And so more mouths to feed. And so some of the girls are uh, starting to get of age, right? There's some of them that are in their 20s now. And so they need to start getting jobs. Oh, of course he's going to make them go to work. Yeah. Now, some of the boys were allowed to move away, and, and the deal was that they could move away as long as for the next two years they sent back money. Come on. Man, now, I'd have gone away to, like, Mexico. Exactly. I'd have been in Timbuktu. You'd yeah. never see my ass again. I'd be a Canadian. But, I mean, I, that's people don't understand unless they're in this situation. We can sit here in our safe little house all day, and we can say what we would have done. You haven't been, you haven't been brainwashed your whole life into believing right. that your dad is actually God. Right. And he's a vampire. Right. I mean, it sounds ludicrous and absurd to us, but come on. People believe weirder things, truly. Absolutely. So I'm just, I'm going to just not give these people judgment. That's the last thing they need. (laughs) It's really hard. It's really hard when you're not in their shoes. Yeah, but I can judge the the Marcus all day as just being a big, giant piece of soulless crap. But I'm not going to judge the victims in this because they were victims. Right. In every sense of the word. And And even to this day, some of the boys, because the boys never saw what happened. Deny it, I'm sure. They, like, they still, like, it's really hard for them to understand that their father actually did all of this. Probably to him, he, they, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, it, and all of the girls were, were assaulted, but all of the girls were treated differently from girl to girl. And some of the girls didn't even know that their sisters were being assaulted. He was that... He compartmentalized He compartmentalized them. every single child. So he isolated them within the house, too. Within the house, too. And eventually turned them against each other. Of course. And further isolated them. That is fucked. It's... Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. It's so bad. All right. So where are we at now? So at this point, um, some of the boys have moved out. The, the children are getting older. And... Um, money's bad. Money's bad. So some of the girls have to go work. So, Brandy, who is age 26, is one of the daughters. She decides to run away, and, or try to run away, 
uh, to her mother, Rosemary. So she's actually one of his nieces. Right, one of them from Rosemary's kids, yeah. Right. Okay. So she was actually the first to escape, and she did it, like, while she was at work. She just kind of ran Fucked home off. Right. to her mother, Rosemary. Now, in 1997, um, so this is seven years on the property, in 1997, they were evicted again from the campsite because the owner died and the son evicted them. And so they were kicked off the property. So he moved the rest of the family into the family duplex and Ruby and Keani went and got jobs. And everybody was kind of weirded out, but not, for some reason they normalized the fact that Marcus took the welfare checks saved them up and bought nine coffins. Uh-oh. Randomly. If, oh, golly, that's so scary. Mm-hmm. I'm shaking right now, and I know how this ends. Uh, um, like, I'm, I'm literally just, shaking right now. I promise you, I did not know that about the case, and that's that's a horror movie. That is terrible. It is one of the worst things I've ever heard. They made them into their children's beds, but instead of making the children mm. sleep inside the coffins, they put little pallets on top of the coffins and Can made jokes just... about it. Like, uh, you'll be in there one day? Is that the joke? I, I, I oh, really sorry. don't know. I just... Oh, that's, wow. that's, I'm I just mean, that's essentially what happens. Spirit. That's just psychological torture. Okay. Well, I hate mm-hmm. that. Thanks. So as the wives, the children wives... Um, are going to work every night when they come home, they get beat because they talk to men while they were at work, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I think if he had been able to collect enough like welfare money, he would have allowed them to go to work. They would have never gone to work. No, because no. and so now when they're out of the house, and because that one girl ran away, Brandy, um, so now he's going to punish them for that. Absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely yeah, that's terrible. So, um. Ruby is one of the daughters that uh, started to go to work. She's age 20 now, and she wanted to run away, too. Like you would. Like you would. So um, she tried to leave early from work with a co-worker, and now she has a one-year-old daughter through him. She has to leave her baby. She had to leave her baby behind. That sucks. And so Elizabeth found out that she had left, and Elizabeth came and found her, and told her to come back to Marcus. Now, Marcus came, got her, kind of talked her into it. Of course, And brought her back, locked her in a room for 12 hours, and beat her mercilessly. He ended up beating her for the next 10 days. She couldn't sit down. She had to... She had to quit her job. Well, yeah. And she had to get a new job later. That is so fucked up. So, uh, in 1998, he made everyone quit their jobs, and he bought another boat. This is boat number fucking three. (laughs) There's so many boats here. So, (laughs) he bought another boat, and all of the girls ended up working at, like, a community center very close by. And every night after work, he would hold, quote-unquote, lady talks. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. The girls would talk to him about what the others had done at work. Oh, so this is where we're turning them against each other. Exactly. On this fucking crazy-ass boat. And then every night, he would bring one of them into the back room and assault them. God. Oh, and here's something that I forgot to mention. Hate this guy. (laughs) 
You want to laugh at him for a second? Yeah. Let's okay, do let's it. laugh at him. Okay. So Ooh. he gave all of his kids vampire names. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, and I and I I tried so hard to Google all of their vampire names, and I could not find all of them, but I found a couple. That's fine. Here's your list. Do you want to hear his? Yes. What's his vampire name? Okay, his vampire name was a combination of Marcus, Jesus, and vampire. His name was Jevam Marc Suspire. Jevam Marc Suspire. It's so hard to say because I'm not French. What did that's some fucking word salad? He just Jevam Marc Suspire. What are you doing, buddy? I don't know. I'm like, yeah. So these are his role play names. Yeah. I don't like this RP. I'd like a new RP where we pet kitty cats. Some of his other children, um, and they kind of had some pretty names. Um, Jeva. I like that. Tala. That's nice too. Shadani. Shadani? Shadani. I can't, I don't know. And then Leva. I don't mind any of those. I know, right? Vampire girl names are so pretty. So, I mean, I, d- I don't know what vampire naming conventions he's using. I'm going to say he's pulling it out of his ass and making it up. Right. I think we're in 1998 by now. And, yeah, uh, that's what you said. So, this is boat number three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. So ah! Ruby, Ruby is the one that tried to escape previously. And then he beat her mercilessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she tried to escape again. So this time she got a tugboat to shore. She tried to get on the bus, but she didn't have any money, and so she sat on the bus stop just crying, and a, and a lady found her, and the lady took her home that night, gave her a place Wonderful. to stay, gave her money for a bus ticket, she got on a bus, she stayed with friends, and then she went to her mother, Rosemary, and her mother, Rosemary, just had it out for her. She mm. yelled at her, she told her, well, you, you chose to be with Marcus, and so you're his problem. Oh, shit. So this Marcus and Elizabeth is... chased after her, well, came out to find yeah. her. So while Marcus and Elizabeth... They can't let any of them escape, because if they do, then it'll get out what he's done. Because Absolutely. what I think is... So the, the victims in this are not culpable, but he knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. or he wouldn't have tried to control them like that. That, and I think hand-in-hand hand with that, is that they're part of his property. Yeah, they're like his little trinkets. They're like trophies, you know? Like, they're part of his success. I hate this guy. He's disgusting. So him and Elizabeth go try to chase after Ruby, and while he's while they're both gone, all of the kids are alone on the boat. That doesn't sound safe. No. And so while the children are alone on the boat, they notice some white vans outside the boat, quote-unquote, circling them and I forgot what the white vans they had like some written thing on them but um they the children thought that they were government vans devil vans right and part of his indoctrination was that if the government ever came after them they had a suicide pact all cults do they had a murder suicide pact so again foreshadowing yeah um so all of the kids knew that if the government came after them, that they were supposed to, the oldest was supposed to kill them all and then kill themselves because then they could go home to, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And so they all grabbed their guns 
And, oh, of course they have guts. Mm-hmm. And they almost did it, and I guess they called Marcus or something, and he was like, like no, those aren't, settle down. Those aren't government bans. Um, and so they ended up not, but they almost did. So Marcus and Elizabeth are out chasing after Ruby. They finally find Ruby, and Marcus tries to convince Ruby to come back. She doesn't want to. And so part of his manipulation, Marcus gave Ruby her daughter... Aviv and three other children said here here's four children to take care of you're their mom now oh okay. he's overwhelming her with responsibility so responsibility she so she so she feels like she's responsible she for didn't even children. have money for a bus ticket so like what is she supposed to fucking do right so she takes care of these children for three weeks he comes back and he says that the lord has called her to raise them and she can't abandon her children so she has to move back. Well, yeah, and it's probably been just nothing but hell that entire time trying to raise all them babies, being, you know, not even a full-grown woman yourself, like, what, she's 20 years old? That's so hard. So once again, she goes Ruby back. moves back. Yeah. She tried twice to get out, and each time he gets her back. Sophina is one of the older girls. I think she's uh, about 26 at this point. Um, she's also at work. And she falls in love with a co-worker. She tells Marcus that she's in love with this man, that she kissed him. Marcus uh -huh. actually agreed that um, to let Sophina uh, go to her aunt's house. And so he decides to drive Sophina to her aunt's house that, that maybe she could start this relationship with this man outside of the house. It's like he gives them what they ask for, but in the worst possible way. He baits the, them. Yeah, it's part. Yeah, or like she's it's making baiting. the wrong choice, and then she'll get punished for it. Well, because on the way there, he starts screaming at her, oh, and he flips his shit on her, and then he decides, you know what? No, never mind. He makes a U turn and turns back, and on the way home, he starts yelling at her and is like. I thought you loved the Lord, kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and then when they get there. And they get, and then he stops the car. He stabs her. Oh my God. He fucking stabs her. And I think it was like in the chest area. She survives. I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll just give you that. She does survive. Um, but as she's like coming in and out, he says, you know, I thought you wanted to go be with the Lord. Oh and she's like, no, God. please. I don't. I, I want to live. Please don't kill me. And so basically he just like kind of apologizes and is like, oh, sorry. Can you not like tell anybody about that? And she does like she heals like uh, like about a week later she's healed and like she never talked about it ever again. But he fucking stabbed her. Ooh. <laughs> I and that's that's not really a story that really has any to, anything to do with yeah, the case. It just goes to ha like his control and manipulation craziness. It's yeah. absolutely insane. So Bad. we're getting really far into the case. Um, I'm gonna try to like skim over the next little bit just because it doesn't have a lot to do with anything. There's a lot of like little tiny um, details that really do make a good story, but. <laughs> They're little tiny. We'd have details. to part to it if we got exactly. Into all of them. Yeah. So again, he gets evicted from the bus. Or is it the boat? I mean, the boat. I meant the boat. 
not the bus. Well, Sarah, buses and boats, y'all. It's confusing. <laughs> We're on boat number three, and we got kicked out of that. There's no Richard Windmark to save the day. Right. So, 1999, he gets evicted from the boat. They go back to Fresno. And uh, Ruby, who has now tried to escape twice, she falls in love with a co-worker, elopes, and... Does she stay gone this time? She refuses to come back. I love it. Right. So she had to leave her children, though. She had to leave her children. That's I know. Sophina ended up meeting an an older man named Milton. I just love the name Milton. (laughs) (laughs) I just think of the guy from Office Space. I think his name is Milton. Is that the guy with the The stapler? The stapler. I'm going to burn down the whole building. Yeah. (laughs) I love a Milton. (laughs) You love a good Milton. I love a good Milton. But Milton is an older man, and he ends up saving her. Oh, thank, um, thank goodness! Yeah, uh, they end up uh, they end up moving away together and, and getting married. Far, I hope. Um, Marcus allows her to do so as long as he sends her, or as long as they send her che- him checks for two years. It's always that you always have to send him money for it's two a years. Weird tithe. It really it is like a weird tithe. It is, yeah, yeah. See, I do know a thing about a religion a little bit. She ended up getting pregnant with Milton's baby, and Marcus wanted the baby, but she said no. Wait a minute. So she got pregnant with Milton, and he was like, give me that baby. Yeah, he does that quite a few times in his life. He just, like, wants other people's babies. Give me your baby. Yeah, give me your baby. Hell no. Hell no. Mm-mm. I see what you do with babies. God, hello. So at this point... Um, Marcus had been collecting welfare checks and his yeah. children's checks and all this stuff. He ends up buying a small building in Fresno. Uh, it's supposed to be an office building, but uh, they just all just live in there. They live there anyway. We can't just live in a regular house. We got to live in a bunker, a bus, and some boats. Three boats, I'd like to point out. <laughs> Large number of boats in this story. I didn't know right. it was going to go this way, but keep going. Now, even with the children that have moved away, yeah. the family is at a total of 20 people. That's so many motherfuckers. That is Not so including many. the ones that moved away. So, we are at 2004. This is going to be bad. I'm not going to like it. They get an eviction notice in 2004. Ruby and Sophina, the ones that had moved out, they found out about the eviction notice, and they wanted to get their children. Like, you know what? Yeah. I've They're had homeless it. now. I'm going to yeah, take my kids. Yeah, I need my kids. And so they gather up extended family members, uncles, aunts, cousins, and they planned a quote-unquote sneak attack to get the children from Marcus. They were going to go up there, talk to Marcus, like and as the family, kind of, yeah. and as the family's kind of arguing and talking, they were going to sneak around the backside of the building and grab the children out the back. You know, hey, it's a plan. <sighs> I'm shaking. This is the okay, worst of the worst. This plan goes bad. Um, so as they're fighting, the police were called. And as the police were called... Um, Kiani and Rosa are two of, like, the middle children, but are right. now the oldest of the 20. They, um, they start attacking Sophina, and, because they started to see what Sophina and... Right, she was trying to take the children, mm-hmm. so they were... So they yeah. start, like, yelling and, and attacking her and calling, and, like, chanting Judas, um, mm. and, and demanded that she bow at Marcus's feet. When the police arrived, Marcus continued to act calm, 
Marcus repeated that Ruby and Sofina were no longer the children's mothers, that they had abandoned their rights to him when they left. Sofina and Ruby showed the birth certificates. And his name ain't on them. And his name ain't on them. So he has no right to those children. And of course, there's no court-ordered custody agreements or anything like that. The police demanded that uh, he go and retrieve the children from inside the house, and he demanded that they get a warrant. So while everybody is distracted and they're yelling at each other, Marcus has been quiet and calm this entire time. Marcus sneaks around to the back of the house. He goes in with Kiana and Rosa. And then all of a sudden they hear nine gunshots. Oh no, honey, don't cry. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to keep it together. Elizabeth ran into the house and she came out screaming and she said that they're all gone. Killed all the children. Marcus came out calmly and they arrested him. All of the children were shot once in the eye. There was a pile of them. Nine children lay stacked in a pile. That is terrible. Ranging from ages one to 25. Has he had his trial yet? Yeah, he was sentenced to death pretty much immediately. Wow, what Now, and, and... at some point during his sentencing, um, the death penalty um, was taken off and he was just sentenced to life. Um, Elizabeth was given immunity because of obvious reasons. She needed her testimony, too, mm-hmm. to help convict him. Although, I don't know, she just should have had immunity to begin with. That poor woman I know, needs I the rest imagine. of her life with counseling oh, and a I don't hug. Even, that wouldn't even help, no. you know? Can you, I can't even, like, it's just, so we have from 1964 to 2004. There's 40 years of terror and horror. 50, 50 years. No, wait, how many years? 40. 40, thank you. I couldn't math for a minute because I'm upset. It's okay. (laughs) But that is, that is 40 years of absolute abject horror. Well, you know, eh, the only consolation I take, and I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in hell, is that I want him to go to the special hell. Where they just, like, launch a pineapple into your ass every five seconds, strip all your skin off, you know. I want them to go back and forth like a plunger with that pineapple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what I think? Because, you know, you don't have a physical body in hell, right? It's just your soul. You know, when you you inflict pain on a physical body, it has the benefit of shock or passing out. Your soul can't pass out. So I just think pain is more. And that's my fervent hope. Right. right. It's hard to get dark on you there. It's okay. I, I, I... I needed the catharsis. Yeah. So next time, we're going to do a palate cleanser. (laughs) Can we please just talk about Mothman for like an hour? (laughs) Oh, I I could talk about Mothman a real long time. (laughs) She has a a sassy love for Mothman. No, I, look. Yeah, you do. Do you want to hear my criteria for what I find hot? Okay, number one, I'm one of those type of people. I find monsters hot. You know, like a a good Dracula. Mmm. You're like a good Dracula. Not not these vampire guys. These are losers and they suck and they're not real vampires. I just like a fancy man with long hair, okay? Who knows how to be sort of polite and mysterious. And he could kill me, but his love for me won't let him. And he you talks like he's from the 1600s. Oh, yes. Yeah. That would be delightful. <laughs> and he's like, 
I've crossed oceans of time. And I'm like, oh, for me? <laughs> you shouldn't have. That's what I want. That's the, I need, in order to be attracted to it, it's got to have a human face and human a human wiener. Because, like, look. <laughs> or wiener, something's weanular. You know, not too like weird. Attachments. Or tentacles are fine. But I don't want it to be like, here's my giant horse's penis. I'd be like, well, I'm going to throw up. That's really gross and weird. Yeah. I don't like it. So, Mothman is not a moth, nor is he a man. And I can't hang with that sexually, but it is very interesting. This is, you think it's silly. Everyone, when I say Mothman, is like, fucking Mothman. They picture like a fuzzy, dusty boy flying away. Dusty boy. (laughs) The dusty boys. I love moths, by the way. Yes. She's actually wearing, oh, wait. I am. I'm wearing my moth shirt. Yeah, you're wearing your moth shirt. Yeah, you love it. You're. She's covetous of my moth shirt. Very, very covetous. You may not have it. (laughs) Anyway, Mothman's story is so fucked up, so scary. It's scary. It's, like, legit, like, scary. Well, I'd rather be scared... Than sad. Than crying my eyes out over these Look, Willow is very sensitive. And... If you haven't noticed from the first episode. She's a Scorpio. And that just means she cries a lot. People, you know. Scorpios get a really bad rap. They do. And you know what? I mean, we're not big, as big. Big wussy babies. We are. We are. Yeah. I'm a Virgo. That means I'm having feelings, but you'll never know what they are, and I'll never <laughs> tell you, because I'm a saint. So we will hang out with you guys next time. Thank you for joining us. Let's make next episode Mothman. Let's yeah. look. I've got more vampire killers for we, you. We we definitely have more vampire killers. I have a Kentucky vampire cult, and it's a bunch of teenagers in rural Kentucky who are very bored in the '90s, obsessed with vampire role playing games and like Marilyn Manson, and they just go killing some folks. It's but it's less sad be- because there aren't babies. And right. I need a case where a baby right. doesn't die. Right. That's just right. me. And I have a uh, lesbian vampire to talk about later. Well, we got to include a lady in these things. Yes. Look, ladies murder less. That's just a fact. If you want to get, you know, in our business about it, it's science. It's not our fault. No, we're the ones that get murdered. So We're typically the ones that get murdered. So take it up with who's ever in charge of murder and dole it out to more women if you want it to be fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next time in which we'll talk about the Mothman. Have a good night. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.